You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. What's up? Welcome back to another Thursday episode of Clapback Culture. I'm your girl, Jules Jesse, alongside my co-host, Omari the Big O. What's up, Big O? Julia Jesse, what's happening? It's good to see you again this week. Man, it's good to be seen, as they say. You know what I'm saying? I had a great week. How was your week? Oh, man, you don't, you don't want to know. It's been hectic out here in Seattle. You know, I guess like a lot of cities in America, probably even like right there in Washington, D.C., you know, big uptick in gun violence in the streets here. So, you know what I'm saying? We've been dealing with the aftermath of that. But, like, I will say that to the side, though. You know what I'm saying? It's been a good week. Yeah. I mean, you, you, I live with a violence interrupter. So, you know, one thing that they're doing here um, here in the district is that they have a, a public safety strategy. And a part of that initiative is to have credible messengers, as you would say, or violence interrupters that are credible within their communities. And they work with individuals in the community to prevent gun violence and mediate beefs and all of that. And so Rodney, you guys, he is a program manager for Cure the Street in our in his neighborhood of MLK. And it's a lot. I mean, it's a lot to, you know, live in the house with someone who's doing that work, who's on the front lines all the time. But it's a lot just, you know, seeing all of the planning and all of that that's around that. So it's a lot. You know, we just honored two um, victims of gun violence and for the back to school event, Mumu, who lost his life at 24 um, and another 11 year old child who lost his life a couple years ago who was being recognized. But it's, it's getting crazy out here in D.C. And I know in Seattle, it's the same thing. Yeah. I would say this, though, that is like in D.C., what, what might, <clears throat> excuse me, what might be a bit different there than over here is over here as well. You know what I'm saying? That, that there's a violence interruption strategy. There's the regional peacekeepers and some of everything else. But, you know, we also find that a lot of those strategies are black led within within government, particularly here within county government, public health, Seattle, King County um, is where a lot of those programs lie. And, you know, I mean, in, in is it, we get it coming and going over here. So we're maybe in the District of Columbia where you're getting full support, you know what I'm saying, throughout. Well, not everybody's going to support, but you get, what, you get a consensus of support, you know, here a lot of times because efforts for gun violence disruption are Black-led, then what you find then is that oftentimes these guys who are actually out there with a very dangerous job, by the way, you yeah. know what I'm saying, and it's wet weather, whether you're start stopping retaliation or you're a responder up there to a hospital, you're collecting data, these are very dangerous position, positions that people hold within the overall public health uh, because, you know, gun violence, especially in some cities, Seattle and there in Washington, D.C. is an epidemic. But mm-hmm. we, we find here there's a lot of undercutting and, and everything else. And, you know, potentially people have talked about actually doing away with a lot of our violence disruption programs here as in their current status or, or you know, and everything else. And it's it's because, you know, I mean, we've seen it for the last few years here in the media and everything else. These are black led initiatives in in government. And so they're often overlooked. But, you know, the end result is, you know, violence on the street. And you would think that, you know, that this would be something that wouldn't be politicized. But unfortunately, here in Seattle, it is. 
Does Seattle have a comprehensive safety plan? Like, do you guys does well, the city have one plan that yeah, they follow? We, we were part of the messages on this. So here is in, in Seattle, in King County, it falls on Public Health Seattle, King County. There's a um, department called ZYD, Zero Youth Detention, and Zero Youth Detention. Um, they, they had came out with a, uh, we did a lot of surveys. Well, they did the surveys. We did the amplification of surveys where people wanted for public safety, what they envisioned for public safety and everything else. And now it's coming time to implement a lot of those ideas. And now we'll see, well, man, maybe there's money and maybe there's this and that. But I think comprehensively here, what people don't understand is the, the, the public health role of, of a violence interrupter only yeah. since when someone is murdered. I mean, you know, a lot of times some people only understand the dollar cost. When somebody is murdered, when there's a murder that's going on, that the actual dollar cost is tremendous. You take some, you know, for investigation and trial, incarceration, and everything else. But then there's also the impact on community. There's the impact mm -hmm. on business and all these other kinds of things. And so we we have these 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 programs that are here and they've been successful. But you know, we'll see if if these winds continue to blow that way, I think that right now there's a lot of people who are talking about going a different direction, which is, you know, the, 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 they, they just want to treat the, the, the symptoms and not the cause. Mm -hmm. And we know that to actually, you know, disrupt sustainably disrupt gun violence that we need to be able to move upstream. Well, one thing, um, and, and you guys, this is such a huge issue. And so we're going to, you know, continue to give it life and give it breath. But one thing, um, that I've noticed in this work is that um, a lot of people don't want to infuse capital into investing in, 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 the, in the shooters, right? And so there's also a need to say, listen, if I'm going to take the gun out your right hand, I need to put something in your left. And that is really something that we need to provide resources in and support for. So if we're going to tell somebody like, listen, I want you to come off the streets. I want you to, you know, I really want to interrupt that violence. We have to be able to really provide them with wraparound services and say, but do you have the right housing support? Do you have the right career support? You know, are you someone who can actually get a job and sustain it? What do you need to kind of have that sustainable plan? And I don't think um, some of the, the money and the funds that's being allocated are necessarily there to address that, right? So we do need to think about that. And there, there's, like you said, it's a public health approach. Um, I know that my council member has called for a public health emergency as it relates to gun violence summer after summer after summer. Um, you know, I've mentioned a few times on the show, we've had six homicides at the bottom of my hill and I've only been in this house for a year. And so the two neighborhoods are beefing with each other so bad that they've buried six people um, because of it. So gun violence is a huge issue in our community and we got to continue to find ways and invest in those organizations that are on the front lines doing this work that know who the shooters are and how to prevent those beefs and prevent this from happening. Because it's one thing to, you know, support victims and get victim compensation and all those great things, but we want to stop it before it happens. Amen. All right. Well, let's lighten it up a little bit. Amari, I know you went to an HBCU like me, um, a historically black college and university, you guys. And I don't know if you've heard this, but this was some hot tea in the streets, you guys. Um, a master degreed young lady. Uh, she earned her degree in education, you guys. She's a 3.8 GPA student. She just graduated with her master's in education in, or counseling in, in education. 
And child, she is being hit up for this racy photo uh, that she posted on her social media that she took in front of the institution's snake mascot statue. Okay, fam, you sis. Uh, so her theme was Medusa. I don't know if you guys want to put that back up real quick. Put it back up so we can get a good view. Okay. She is fully naked with Medusa, uh, Medusa-esque wig and some red bottoms. That's all it's giving. And the clapback was real. Okay. People were not feeling this. Cuddy, can you put up a few of those comments of what, uh, listen, these are the comments that are below on her Instagram. Uh, someone saying this is inappropriate. Y'all going to lose y'all accreditation. Everybody in the comments is lying. This is not love. Better ways to express body positivity. So here's what she put underneath um, the picture as a caption. She says that, um, you know, as I'm standing here with my master's degree at the tender age of 24, I am living proof that clothes do not define you. I encourage everybody to embrace their bodies and step outside the social norms. Well, after all of this, you know, clapback that she received and, you know, because it was real controversial, she updated the post and said, anybody who knows me knows that I've been dressing provocative my whole life. Okay. There's a lot of assumptions that come with me accepting my body. A lot of people question my capabilities and intelligence solely based on how I choose to dress. Well, listen, you guys, all of this controversy has caused for an investigation. So the school is investigating this and um, there's a full wide campus investigation. The, uh, the, the university's vice president of student affairs released a statement on it and people are people's feathers are ruffled. Yo, so, so hold on, hold on, hold on. She, she just took a nude photo. Yeah. Like that's, that's it. it. She took she took multiple photos within this photo shoot. It's like her graduation shoot, but this yeah. is the one she posted where everybody was like feeling some type of way. I mean, the photo might have been giving, as you say. You know, I mean, come on, man. First of all, big shout out there, Tallahassee, Florida. You know what I'm saying, fam? You home of the Rattlers, home of the Marching 100. You know what I'm saying? They get it in. I used to hang out down there at Florida A and M. Man, I used to do a lot of events and everything down there. And believe me. This ain't right now or in the future the worst that anybody going to see out of there. A big shout out to my, my Uncle Ed. You know what I'm saying? He was a uh, valedictorian down there. You feel me? At, uh, at FAMU. I mean, that's all she do. She expressing herself. You know what I'm saying? It's like y'all can't have it both ways. You can't you can't be like, oh, well, here's Lizzo and everybody else who's like, it's body body positivity. Here's a student right here. You know, she's doing her thing. I mean, like, would I do that? Well, I, I guess maybe, you know, 20 years ago at Elizabeth City State University, maybe. Today, definitely not. But uh, I'm not really feeling that being like, oh, someone has to do an investigation and everything else, you know? I agree. I'm not here for the investigation, but I'm definitely not with, I'm not with this. It's not giving. Um, I honestly <laughs> think it's, it's distasteful because, if you if you are a black woman being raised, as you would say, being raised in a historically black college, one of the things that they teach you is that you are a representation of the university. I mean, nah, when true. I was in school, we were not allowed to wear headscarves and bonnets to class. Um, mm -hmm. Some of our, our professors wouldn't even let us come to class like if we weren't professionally dressed. And so there is 
always a time and a place to enhance, you know, to show off and have that body positivity. Uh, I, but in front of the HBCU, I'm I'm just not feeling. I it. agree. I agree. Right. I agree with you 100 percent. And here's the thing is, is it going to a historically black college university? I see in the comments, Liz, ECSU, Mighty Bikers in the building, you know, Julia <laughs> Jesse, Behold the Green and Gold, Norfolk State. But, you know, and so we we you you carry an, an, an added layer to it because you already know that usually even in the city that you're in, everybody is against you. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And and you know that it's like you always have to carry yourself at a certain level or standard. I can see where you're coming from, especially like in, the, in that traditionalist track, because we already know that like, you know, that we, we have to leave these HBCUs already being 10 times better mm-hmm. than everybody else to be able to get ahead. So I can I can feel you on that. I didn't think about it in that sense. And when I when I get back in the time machine and really go back and think about like it it was the the overall community that that policed ourselves to be like, nah man, you know you ain't supposed to be doing nothing like that. Right. I mean listen, she's beautiful. I love the theme. I love the concept and idea. Um she's got body body for days. So it's not that I don't love the idea of it but I'm just like "Mm, but you missed the mark and because it is a beloved HBCU I just know that as a Spartan as a Norfolk State alumni I would not want women graduating from school and university and thinking that that was like the right it's just bad timing wrong place wrong time like let's just not so do the photo the photo itself ain't you know bad it's it's the fact that you know what i'm saying that it's right there in the university and everything else i feel that yeah so listen people are feeling some type of way i don't think that she could lose her degree over it you know some people are calling to have her degree revoked and all that listen she's a 3.8 gpa master's degree student the girl is smart she's beautiful she's also you know pretty much like an Instagram influencer. I mean, one of these things too. Oh, it's it like- it might have been an IG move though. Like to be honest with you, it, it might have been like, I mean, if she if, if, if she is smart as you say she is, and she got this master's degree, she might be already four steps ahead of us. It might Absolutely. be already have a TV show coming on VH1 in like six months, you know? And, and that's what I'm saying, right? So was this strategy? I think absolutely. I mean, the girl is giving on all her other pictures. So you know, to me, I think she's probably like, ah, worth the risk. So good for her, but definitely not my choice. I'm not supporting anybody else do this, but I understand where you're going with this, sis. So best of luck to you, Miss Williams. <laughs> um, well, it looks like the Biden administration is uh, doing some good. OK, the Inflation Reduction Act is now law. You guys, we got a quick video that uh, breaks it down for us and then we'll come back and talk about it. President Biden has signed the Inflation Reduction Act into law. This action marks a major victory for the president's domestic agenda less than three months before midterm elections. President Biden interrupted his summer vacation to sign the massive climate, health and tax bill at the White House this afternoon. The House of Representatives approved the Democrat-backed plan Friday following its passage in the Senate earlier this month. Today offers further proof that the soul of America is vibrant, the future of America is bright, and the promise of America is real and just beginning. 
Joining us now is CBS News political contributor Sean Sullivan. Hi, Sean. So tell us a little bit more about the Inflation Reduction Act, why it's so significant. What does it accomplish? Well, this act is something that Democrats have been talking about for many, many years on two fronts, accomplishing something on health care and accomplishing something on climate change. And uh, for the past few years, Democrats have been frustrated that a lot of these priorities that they've put uh, at the front burner of their agenda have been beyond their reach. And this does that. This does uh, take a uh, makes big investments in combating climate change, uh, in transforming the sort of way we rely on energy uh, and investing in, in renewable technologies through tax credits and other means. And it also aims to lower the cost of prescription drugs, lower the cost for seniors. It allows the government to uh, negotiate eventually uh, the prices of certain drugs. And these are things that Democrats have been talking about wanting to do for a long time, but it just hasn't worked out. And it looked late last year when they were zeroing in on this big sweeping uh, climate and social spending initiative that they were getting close. And then it all fell apart and it looked like, look, they were not going to get this done. Now, this plan is less ambitious and less sweeping than what they talked about last year. But I think a lot of Democrats. All right. Well, definitely good news. It's interesting that we have to fight and battle for things like this to be passed into law. Um, but, you know, like you guys heard, this is going to make prescription drugs cheaper. Um, by allowing the federal government to negotiate lower Medicare drug prices and penalizing drug companies who try to inflate those prices. Um, it's going to lower health insurance costs by an average of $100 a year for um, tens of millions of Americans. Um, fight climate, fight our climate crisis, okay, and improve our food security and so much more. So this is a good thing. There's actually a name for a bill like this. So Dr. Tracy Jackson, if you're in the comments, what is that bill called when you couple everything into it? I can't think of the name at the moment. I think it starts with an O. Oh, but, uh, thank you. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm old school civics class. Yo, <laughs> I'll say this, right? It's like they got this bill out and it's it's cool. It's there. You know what I'm saying? We'll see what happens. But, man, I be looking at how things really trickle down to black folk, right? And, I mean, we had talked about this. I don't know how to slide in here for the show, but it was like an American Rescue Plan. You know, there was $4 billion of debt relief for black farmers. $4 billion. Man, the black farmer has just been getting robbed from day one, Right. So $4 billion is supposed to be debt relief for black farmers. Well, all the white farmers went to court. There's been an injunction against it. And that money hasn't been released. The the Biden administration hasn't necessarily appealed. You know what I'm saying? And I guess, you know, we'll see. It'll go for years. Uh, Might go to the Supreme Court and everything else. All I'm just saying is it's like, you know, I mean, these it's a good thing. I'm definitely not like down in the bill, but I'm just saying that it's like a lot of times when it actually reaches us, there's something else that's a roadblock and it don't ever really benefit us. I agree. And then it's it's always so hard to get excited about things like this because it's like, all right, but when are we going to see this come into effect? Like right now, my pockets are struggling. So when am I going to actually see this law make a shift 
in my own personal life, like very directly. So um, to your point, I forgot to add in the black farmers, but you're right. A lot of, you know, I read an article and some of the farmers who received notices that they were going to get these payoffs are still waiting. And here we are years later and they're still waiting for these payoffs. So uh, to your point, you know, when is it going to touch our community? It just hasn't. And again, we're still winning. Yeah, I mean, you know, so like I said, anybody, people fight inflation. I think like global warming, we're all, you know, it's it's hot out here in Seattle. It, it feels like Chocolate City out here right now, uh, Julia. You know what I'm saying? It's in the 90s and some of everything else. And they're saying it's going to be a crazy winter. You know, uh, climate change is real. I think people want to see that addressed. And of course, everyday inflation and all these things. But, you know, man, these people are real good at hamstringing us, you know, so like the prescription prices, that's going to come into effect in 2025, 2025 that comes around and watch somebody, some obscure congressman from like, you know, I don't know, say Wyoming or these states comes in there and says that the qualification of this and that needs to be whatever. And so, I mean, I've been wanting to be excited about a lot of stuff that comes out of Washington, D.C. But, you know, when you when you when you really follow it all the way down the road, uh, how it actually impacts black people, sometimes it's not there. But, you know, I mean, we see, you know, Biden, Biden is kind of having his way right now. He's making deals, you know, he partnered up. They figured it out with Manchin on this. He got it through. So, you know, it's another victory for Biden. Um, and I guess we'll see how it plays out. I think. And of course, I mean, we're getting closer and closer to the election. So it's giving got to make some moves, right? Yeah, I mean, but you know what Biden need to do because we're getting close to election, man. It, they need to come with the old school. They need to come with a stimmy or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, like, he, he should have bundled up some of that bread right there and put it in a check and everybody's like, yeah, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it, I mean, because, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the benefits that are in this bill and, and, you know, I mean, they're future focused, which is cool. You know what I'm right. saying? Like I said, prescription drugs, 2025. Climate change, man, I mean, they need to do something, but whatever they're doing, we're not going to see that between now and November, right, mm-hmm. on impacts mm-hmm. on climate change. So a lot of the stuff is is very much in the future. If they were looking for something that's really going to impact somebody and motivate somebody at the polls, I don't know if there's something that's in this actual package right now that's, that's going to hit people within the next few months to be like, yeah, Biden took care of me. Let me get out there and vote for, you know what I'm saying, for the Democrats to keep them in power. People want the right now. All right. Well, well, look, let's do one. We'll do one more topic and then let's cut to a quick break. But I don't know if you've been keeping up with the news, you guys. I know since you guys watch our show, I've talked about the shooting that happened at Subway. We talked about the shooting that happened at McDonald's and shout. Another person is a victim at a fast food restaurant. This Wendy's worker punched an elderly customer for complaining about his order. Now, I have a quick clip. Let's play that and then we'll come back and talk about it. Now, on to an update on a Prescott Wendy's employee accused of assaulting a customer. Antoine Kendrick is now facing murder charges after that customer died of his injuries. Police say it was last month. Kendrick punched a 67-year-old man after the man complained about his food. The customer was airlifted to the hospital in critical condition. We're now learning that he died a few weeks ago. Police have still not released his identity. Kendrick is facing a second-degree murder charge. 
So in the video that I refuse to play over here because it's just absolutely heartbreaking, you guys, the 67-year-old customer is kind of hunched over on the counter and he's just eating his frosty, okay? And the worker comes around the counter and sucker punches him on the side of the head. He collapses to the ground and the victim had to be airlifted and he subsequently died from his injuries. But this is given like insanity. Um, Harry Jefferson put in the comments, people going crazy over their food nowadays. I mean, this is honestly worse, I think, than the McDonald's cold fries guy who got shot and killed. But I don't know, you guys. I mean, we, we got we to gotta simmer down a little bit. I'm going to be honest with you, right? And, you know, I, I travel a lot, especially these days since I'm not in the morning update show. I just have to be in Seattle on Thursday so I can kick it with you. Right. But, man, America is mean and nasty right now, like like all, all over the country, especially in the service area. And, you know, I got a lot of friends that work in the service industry, and I'm sure you do, too. And, you know, it's it's messed up right now. Right. And it's usually going like the other way. But. Um, meaning that a lot of times people in the service industry be catching a lot of aggression from customers. Mm -hmm. Like it's wild. Mm -hmm. Like whether I'm on the plane, you know what I'm saying? Whether you're in a fast food spot and he'd be like, damn, bro, why, why is everybody so tense? Why is everybody so whatever? And now like this to go and punch somebody, you know what I'm saying? And it's crazy, right? So actually this is, this is jogged my memory. We was in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, like a month ago, we were shooting a film down there and we went to a McDonald's in Jackson, Mississippi, and it was so understaffed. They didn't have enough employees. It was so understaffed. They had like three people for a whole McDonald's. I'm talking about cashier, cook, everything. And the tension in there was just so high because the employees were like, damn. Also in Jackson, Mississippi was the first McDonald's I ever went to where they didn't have no Wi-Fi. You know, in places in America, people ain't got no internet. You go to a McDonald's, Starbucks, sit in the parking lot, do whatever. They ain't even had no Wi-Fi down in Jackson. But it was three employees. They were so understaffed that they was just funky. And you know me, I'm always making light of some stuff. So it was all cool. So our food came eventually like 30 minutes later at a McDonald's. But, you know, I mean, I think it's a few factors playing into it, but ain't nothing. It's never OK to just go and punch somebody, you know, over over uh, uh, over something like that. Just like on, on these planes, people act a fool on these planes. And it's just something that's going on in our country as a whole across the country, big city, small town, where, man, people are just out of pocket. You're right. I mean, the level of aggression is just at an all time high. It seems like people are just going to are going from a zero to 100 real quick. So you guys offer some space and grace when you're you know, working with people in the hospitality industry. If someone gives you some cold fries or they mess your order up you know, charge it to the game, you know, just enter that situation with a lot of space and grace as much as possible because you want to go home alive. All right. So with that being said, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we got a lot more headlines to talk about. Kanye West is selling clothes out of a trash bag. Let's talk about it. Stay tuned. 
Guess what, you guys? Portland Hip Hop Week is August 20th through 27th, and Converge Media is proud to be an official partner. Of course, it's your buddy Basil Gordon here, and you already know the Converge team is literally going to head south on I-5 to celebrate hip hop culture in the Rose City. Portland Hip Hop Week is literally jam-packed with dope events, including the Hip Hop Skate Party, hosted by DJ OG1, Hip Hop Wine and Chill at the Abbey Creek Winery. There's also a DJ workshop hosted by Grand Wizard Theodore. And let's not forget Portland Hip Hop Week's biggest night, the 2022 Star Wars. And this year, they're celebrating women in hip hop. You can get more information by visiting bdxhiphopweek.com. And of course, you can head over to my blog at jamming1075.com. Just search BASA. Hey there, it's Trey Holiday, And of course, Besa and I had to take a trip back to Market Street Shoes to grab some items. They always know what to show us. And let me tell you, we both spent quality time to be sure we collected some amazing additions to our wardrobes. They have some of the most unique bags, shoes, and accessories. I mean, the whole shebang. It's always a good time when I get to shop with my girl, Baker. Make sure you go check out Market Street Shoes, y'all, and you too can walk out with some dope gear. Basically, fam, believe in giving. Like, we have to be willing to give more. And people seem to always think giving means money. But nah, bro. It's like you can give time. You can give understanding. You can give access. You can give a listening ear and an open heart. You can give and share your God-given gifts and talents. But you just got to give. All right, y'all, welcome back to Clapback Culture. Of course, we got a lot to chop it up about. So, Amari, I don't know if you heard about this in audience. I know y'all didn't hear about this, but Kanye West is getting some clapback once again for his non-traditional approach to the fashion industry, okay? So he has um, a joint collection. It's called Yeezy Gap, okay? And um, he's refusing to apologize for having construction bags, trash bags, whatever you want to call this, to display his clothing line. And so he got mad at the store workers who hung all the clothes on hangers so that patrons could shop and purchase it. And he told them to take it down and put it back in the bags because that's what he wants. Okay. He, this is the look and feel that he wants. He wants people to be able to dig into the bag. Okay. He feels like this is an innovative idea. Um, and he's receiving a lot of backlash for the display. What do you what do you think about this? It's just is this yay just being yay? Man, I think even more than that, I you know, as a professional marketer and communicator, I think that yay is taking all the heat while the gap is getting all scot free. And they went into this already knowing that the game, what the game plan was. You see what I'm saying? It's like they made even regular garbage bags. You feel me? Like, I mean, those is the, all I'm saying is I just think that it's, it was, it was bigger and more contrived than what it's being played off to be. And that's the story for PR and everything else. Like, that's just how I, I really feel. Um, and I think the, that Kanye and the Gap came with this whole concept that they agreed upon and everything else, right? That being said, though, that it's like I, I saw Ye was like, he was like, look, man, I'm an artist. This is the way that I want my stuff presented. You know what I'm saying? Back up off me. And, you know, I mean, that's just part and parcel of how Ye gets down, I guess. So one of the things that he said about this was that uh, he said the whole point of why I came to the Gap was to make a egalitarian clothing. 
He says that he remembers a time when he was in the Dominican Republic going to a store and seeing clothes and bins and just seeing people happy to have a moment of discovery. And so I see somebody in the comments, Irene in the comments said Goodwill bins did it first. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So when you are in the thrift store and you get those huge bins and you kind of kind of dig through and find that treasure, you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, I found something great. But I couldn't find any price tags on this clothing line. Okay. But if I know anything about Yay and how much stuff costs, this is given if I gotta pay five hundred dollars for a shirt. I don't want to have to dig through everything to find it. I don't even want to dig through the clearance rack anymore, okay? I want to shop with convenience. Uh, Harry Jefferson is always talking about, are those the bags a play on the Balenciaga trash bags? And as you know, we talked about it two weeks ago, Balenciaga had a trash bag that they came out with that was over $2,000. So, it, I, mean, I mean, this is what, what I'm saying is, is I think that as usual, the American consumer gets played, right? And I, you know, I, I used to be down, I used to work in publicity years ago down in like Hollywood and LA and it's crazy. And I, I can't now, now that I'm a known personality, I can't even say a lot of stuff as, as, as far as people's names on air or whatever. But I know this is one, there's a precinct there in close to Hollywood where, you know, I mean, you, you would just go and get arrested. Like if, if, if the perception was that you was weak or that you were, you know, masculine enough, then all of a sudden you've gotten some bar fight in West Hollywood and you get arrested and now your picture's on the tabloid and it's like so-and-so goes, you know, fights in Hollywood. And then, oh, then the public perception is like, oh, that's a tough guy. You see what I'm saying? Or, you know, I mean, there's so many different things where the American public, because a lot of times, to be honest with you, man, we sheeple. You know what I'm saying? We sheeple as a society. And so people can sit there and just, you know, set up these campaigns and set up whatever and guys just run with it. And that's what I'm saying is I think that a lot of this with with, with Kanye and with, with this Kanye gap and everything else, it's a much bigger play internally. And now now it's just playing out like, oh, man, you know, this is my art. I wanted it like this and that. But they had the strategy meeting like six months ago. You know what I'm saying? This is just a play out right now to the public because they knew. So you got to think about something, right? So Kanye puts some clothes and gap and whatever, and then life just goes on. Oh, okay. If you're a Kanye fan, if you like his clothes or whatever, then you're going to go to the gap. If otherwise you don't care. But now you got somebody like me who, you know, I like Kanye's music, especially the old Kanye. I don't know. I'm still getting used to the new Kanye. But you got somebody like me who's now talking about it. And that's the thing is, is like, man, how do you make your brand sticky? How do you make your brand have people talk about it and everything else? So it's like, I really think that this was a bigger play. And we as American people are getting played. 100%. I mean, I think Leon asked the right question. How's it selling? So we'll have to stay tuned and see if people are actually shopping for this. Irene, I agree with you that this is absolutely performance art. Um, you know, he has a point in the fact that, you know, he's doing something different, which is going to draw more attention. It's not anything traditional. It's not, um, you know, it is innovative in a sense because he's kind of bringing back um, that discovery feel, which I do like. Right. I do like that. I do. I'm a, I'm a thrift shopper. I love thrifting and I love finding little gems. I don't know if it's going to give that same you know, same kind of punch because you kind of already know what you're getting with Ye's clothing line, which is egalitarian, which is 
nuded colors and muted colors and kind of just like, I don't know. Listen, Kanye West been in the fashion industry for a long time. Um, and so he has a lot to give to this culture. And so I'm, I'm going to see where he's going with it. But I'm not necessarily saying that I'm going to be a consumer of it because, again, if I got to spend $500 on a shirt, I'm not going to be digging in the bag to get it. I'll take my efforts back to the goodwill where I started. <laughs> OK, uh, well, look, I got to bring the church folk to the front of the congregation. Mm. OK, uh, there is a TikTok video that has gone viral, y'all. Thank God for TikTok because it's bringing everything to the forefront. I don't know where we would be without you. But there is a pastor, okay, um, and he is scolding his congregation for being broke, okay? He's saying he's mad because they didn't get him his Movado watch, but he later apologizes because he called them poor, broke, busted, and disgusted. We got a clip, honey. Let's play it. See, that's how I know you still poor, broke, busted, and disgusted because of how you've been honoring me. I'm not worth your McDonald's money. Come on, come on. I'm not worth your Red Lobster money. I ain't worth your St. John Nick. Y'all can't afford it, no how. I ain't worth y'all Louis Vuitton. I ain't worth your Prada. I'm not worth your Gucci. Mother, ooh, I'm saying this, and I promise you, Deacon, it is not with respect and want. I'm saying it because I want you to understand just what God is saying. I even found out that Movado, you can buy a Movado watch in Sam's. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And y'all know I asked for one last year. Here it is the whole way in August. I still ain't got it. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Let me kick down the door and talk to my chief. Child, this is a hot mess.com, okay? I mean, is this giving Bishop Whitehead? I, I can't. You cannot stand at the pulpit and tell your crowd that they are poor, broke, busted, and disgusted because I know how you've been honoring me. A Movado watch starts at $350, the one at Sam's Club, like you said, but they can retail up to almost $3,300. Amari, what's going on? <laughs> no words. Yeah. I mean... Uh, you know, I mean, you know, my my dad is a uh, is a preacher. You know what I'm saying? And I I couldn't in a million years envision my dad and sitting there. Matter of fact, the church right there in D.C. So next time I'm there in D.C., we'll all go to church together. Um, I couldn't imagine my dad ever talking to a congregation like that. I mean, that's just that's just horrible. It's reprehensible. It's disrespectful. And, you know, most black churches now, you know, I spent some time down in Houston. I'm sure they're in D.C. and everything else. There are some some black mega churches. And I mean, where you have a, like a, an affluent black population, you know what I'm saying? But most black churches in America is full of working class black folk, you know, who are, who are most times struggling to pay their bill. And you're right. You know, when they, they do go to Red Lobster and it's probably, you know, maybe once a week or maybe even once a month. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You're right. They, you know, they, they might actually buy a, a, a luxury item, but it isn't some everyday occurrence. But to just I mean, one thing I can do is I can acknowledge the honesty of this preacher. But 
because um, he was honest with his congregation. But unfortunately, man, that's what I'm saying. We just we get it coming and going like we always be joking about the church. Like, oh, here come another offering or whatever. But damn, dog, you you just yeah. don't put it on Front Street. Like, get me a watch. <laughs> and said that you are dishonoring me. OK, um, listen, I'm not here for it. Uh, there could not be an apology big enough that would let me stay wrapped up in this church. I think the biggest thing about this whole clip, you guys, is if you heard, you hear people saying, hey, man, hallelujah. Yes, God. And they are in agreement with the leader of this congregation. I am not into prosperity preaching. Um, you know, I do remember a time being at a church in Seattle and, um, you know, and I remember them saying, give your all, give your last, let, let, you know, let your blessing come give your last. And I was like, how many times did this plate come around and how many, you know, how many, you know, uh, fundraisers and special offerings and this and that do we have to give to. And so, you know, being able to, you know, share in your faith and really the black church, you definitely want to tithe. You want to give, um, you know, you want to be a good steward over, you know, over your finances, but this ain't it, you guys. So I, I love that this clip came out because it definitely exposed uh, this moment uh, and, you know, and until Amari's point, it definitely exposed his real feelings and that he feels like his congregation is not uplifting him. But this is a conversation you need to have in private. OK, you guys take care of the leaders of your congregation. But listen, if they are not taking care of you and not serving you and, and kind of giving you things that you want, it's probably because you're not pouring into them enough either. Uh, and so I think this is a twofold situation. It's kind of like a relationship. If you're in a good relationship, you're going to spoil your girl. You're going to spoil your man. You're going to want to make sure they have that Movado watch or make sure they, you know, have a, a nice date to leave, uh, to uh, Red Lobster or something like that. But if they ain't treating you right, you know, it, it's probably something that you're not doing on the other end. So, yeah, um, I, I just hot mess. I, I just feel like Our churches are, are oftentimes where our most marginalized in our community are. Our people who are on their last leg, our people who are looking for just a little bit of shelter from the rain, a little bit of hope and a little bit of inspiration and everything else. And I think that for, for someone who's in a position of power to, to sit there and to to further marginalize and dehumanize his congregation over something material. I mean, like, it's I wouldn't even be tripping if it was like, man, you know what? We 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 trying to get the 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 new school built. You know what I'm saying? Y'all got to give. We got man, we got to pick up 500 in this, and and you know what I'm saying in church today because it's going to the building fund and we're building right. something. Or you know what? There's man, there's the, the the hungry that's down there. We got to go feed some people today. You know what I'm saying? Y'all got to dig deep. You know what I'm saying? No red lobster this month because we feeding the homeless. But to be so selfish, ah, oh, my friend, it's crazy. Hot mess. All right, y'all. Well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Deshaun Watson. He was fined $5 million and suspended 11 games following that sexual misconduct. Stay tuned.
Guess what, you guys? Portland Hip Hop Week is August 20th through 27th, and Converge Media is proud to be an official partner. Of course, it's your buddy Basil Gordon here, and you already know the Converge team is literally going to head south on I-5 to celebrate hip-hop culture in the Rose City. Portland Hip Hop Week is literally jam-packed with dope events, including the Hip Hop Skate Party, hosted by DJ OG1, Hip Hop Wine and Chill at the Abbey Creek Winery. There's also a DJ workshop hosted by Grand Wizard. Theodore, and let's not forget Portland Hip Hop Week's biggest night, the 2022 Star Wars. And this year, they're celebrating women in hip hop. You can get more information by visiting bdxhiphopweek.com. And of course, you can head over to my blog at jamming1075.com. Just search BASA. Well, look, someone who does not need donations, but who is going to have to make a huge contribution and pay this five million dollar fine that's such a big fine um but the nfl and nfl players association have agreed to suspend cleveland browns qb deshaun watson for 11 regular season games without pay and five him that five milli after he was accused of sexual misconduct by more than two dozen women so if y'all remember he um he he was not indicted by a grand jury not once but twice okay but 24 civil lawsuits were filed against him. He settled um, 23 confidentially. Uh, and like I said, two grand juries declined to charge Watson criminally. So they only had those civil lawsuits that came into play. Well, he apologizes. He said, I apologize once again for any pain this situation has caused. I take accountability for the decisions that I've made. And he says that, you know, I'm moving on with my career and my life and I'm going to continue to stand on my innocence. He says, just because settlements and things like this happen doesn't mean that person is guilty of anything. So, Amari, what are your thoughts on this? The NFL is now coming in and essentially disciplining him. Um, for this sexual misconduct. I mean, you know, Mike Davis and I talked about this on the show when it first came out. You know, he's he got some creep fetish ways, but he was not charged criminally. And the NFL is still feeling like, listen, we read we read this lawsuit in full and they felt like they needed to do a little bit more. I mean, this is also Deshaun Watson. He's signed the biggest contract in the league. I think it's what eighty million. Oh, no, 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 it might even be three hundred million. I'm gonna pull it up. Two hundred and thirty guaranteed. Thank you, babe. Guaranteed. Yes. Wow. Oh, he can just go home. He ain't got to play ball. <laughs> he got a guarantee. And, and it's not only is it guaranteed. He only if he was convicted criminally. He would only have to forfeit $1 million, but the rest is guaranteed thereafter. I'm, I'm going to tell you like this, man. There's a difference between justice and what's just. And I think that you probably can uh, appreciate that because, you know, the justice is the ink on paper and what's just is what we know is just in the system. Yeah. And, I mean, it's like, yo, whether people like it or not, you know what I'm saying? that you go you go to the NFL it's just like me right here we converge right and you know we 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 fight with the big dogs here like fighters in like market position you know every day you know what I'm saying we're not the biggest in the market and these days thank god we're not the smallest either we you know we're moving up in the market but I know that me I'm in a different position now you know what I'm saying because I'm all the way out there public figure right 
And so there's things that I could do that aren't necessarily illegal, but are they unethical? Are they sleazy? Are they, you know what I'm saying? And so we always like to fall back on them things. Like here at Converge, we say, work hard, stay humble, take your ass home. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just real, man, just go home, you know? And, and it's real because there's an added responsibility because I know here that I have the public's trust. Whether people agree or disagree with me, they trust what I'm saying is true. If I say something's happening, ain't nobody gonna be like, well, I don't know if I believe Omari or not. They might disagree on my analysis of why it happened or whatever, but they know they trust me, right? And so I carry the public's trust here. And it's the, the, the thing is, so I know that it's like, yeah, I'm not definitely not gonna do nothing illegal, but I'm also not gonna do nothing kind of unethical or grimy or whatever. And you know, the thing is with this dude, man, I just, I just can't, I still can't wrap my head around how he was just getting down like this, man. You know what I'm, what I'm saying? Like, I know you guys had, you went and did way more research on this because you guys covered it for, for quite a while. But, you know, you're right. There's, there's, you know, he wasn't indicted twice. He settled his lawsuits. The settlement isn't an admission of guilt. And so it's like, man, should the NFL come down so hard on somebody who wasn't found guilty or indicted or didn't settle a lawsuit? You know, on one arm, you say no. But on the other arm, it's like, yo, man, you representative of our league, bro. We don't really like people doing that. Well, I think the league is also saving face, right? Because there, there's a couple of that. <laughs> well, right. So, but they have to do something, right? They can't just stand by and let this happen because they don't want to seem as if they are, you know, harboring, uh, you know, this kind of individual who, who does kind of salacious, grimy things, right? I mean, what Deshaun Watson does in private should not be out there in public. I mean, Deshaun, mm. listen, moving forward, brother, get some NDAs, okay? You got a $230 million guaranteed contract. Get you a good lawyer and get some NDAs if this is like your fetish and your thing that you want to do. Um, you know, it might not be criminal, but to your point, it just doesn't look good for the brand. And ultimately, we are living in a season now where as individuals, we have to also be responsible on how we conduct ourselves as it relates to the institutions that we represent. We just had a conversation about it with the HBCU. Even even though you're not necessarily tied to that, you don't have a responsibility or an obligation. What, what the girl did wasn't illegal. The, the fact of the matter is that sometimes we represent a certain brand and we have to abide by those standards. And so I think the NFL is stepping in to say, listen, we don't condone the way he acted off the field. Um, we're going to do something, uh, you know, and it's their choice. But I think Deshaun Watson is probably like, I don't care. I'm doing 200. I mean, he's, he's, he's getting caked up either way. And listen, so here's the, here's the thing is one, I'm not against the massage. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not mad at getting a massage. I'm just telling you that me personally, you know, and I'm not nowhere near the public figure that, that he is. Right. Me personally, I'm going to the massage parlor. I don't, I mean, the actual massage place. I don't want no misunderstandings, man. I'm not getting a massage with somebody off of Instagram. I'm not sending them no DM. I mean, you know, that's just whatever. So I'm not against somebody joking over there saying that, you know, he was, he was getting his massage on. I just feel like, you know, I would say this is that, you know, people who are in the public eye and the public spotlight, man, you know, you, you, 
you have to be able to make better decisions, you know, and you got to have people in your camp that can tell you like, ah, man, that's probably not the best idea. Well, like we can hire somebody. They can come to your house. They can massage you, but like being on the gram and whatever else, you know what I'm saying? It's, uh, it's not advisable. As far as the NFL, man, you know, saving face for the NFL, man, it's the same NFL that played Colin Kaepernick that did all this stuff. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And so like whenever the NFL shows up to do something, I'm like, yeah, right. You feel me? So, you know, whatever game they're playing is the game they playing. I think you're right. For those who don't know, we'll just give you a quick refresher. Uh, The 22 civil lawsuits alleged that Watson forced two women to perform oral sex, uh, ejaculated on three women in front of three others. Uh, He allegedly groped four women and kissed another woman unprompted upon uh, upon arrival for a massage appointment. 18 of the 22 active lawsuits accused Watson of inappropriately touching women with his penis during massage therapy session. Some women were also... This is what I'm saying. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, and some of the women, oh, and here was my clap back at the time, was like, they weren't even licensed massage therapists. So you took an appointment with Deshaun Watson to give him a, a massage you're not a massage therapist. What did you think you were signing up for? I, I mean, this is this is what I'm saying. It's this whole issue. And, and that's I mean, yeah. it's like money. All that money came by no common sense. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you, you have to protect yourself at all times. And you clearly, you know, he, he was on something else. I mean, listen, it's it's clearly a sexual fetish, okay? This That's his thing, okay? I'm not going to, you know, no tea, no shade, no judgment here. I don't care what you like. And he's got enough money to get what he likes. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm just saying, if it were me as the woman who is engaging with Deshaun Watson on Instagram DMs, I'm not a licensed masseuse. He's coming for a massage um, and he wants to give me a particular amount of money for the massage. I mean, it's clearly speaking red flag. You know what I'm saying? Like, so listen, sis, you got a great settlement, you know, an undisclosed settlement amount. And, you know, it sounds like everybody essentially wins in this. I mean, Deshaun Watson, if you want massages with happy endings, just get the NDA moving forward, okay? Spare yourself the PR run. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Or take your ass home. Listen, just get, just hire someone. I mean, whatever you do, let's just, we just don't want to hear no more about it, okay? We just don't want to hear nothing else about it. That's it. All right, y'all. Well, that's our show. Okay, another Thursday episode of Clapback Culture. Omari has been great hanging out with you again this Thursday. When you're not here on Clapback, where can they find you? I'm everywhere like air. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But on social media, you can find me at O-M-A-R-I-S-A-L. And of course, follow Converge Media everywhere. Yo, you know, we trying to to get our... um, our YouTube subscribers up. So, you know, I mean, you continue watching on Facebook. If you watch on Facebook, we make sure and follow Converge Media on our on our YouTube channel um, and also on LinkedIn. So if you're somewhere, you know, trying to keep it professional, you can also catch this show on LinkedIn. All right.
might catch this show on LinkedIn. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure I drop that plug. All right. Well, look, y'all. You guys can keep uh, following me on Ratchet Instagram at Treasure of J U L E S. You know what it is. Um, and on Twitter, same in the same handle as Instagram. Until then. I will be here next week, same time, same place, with the same co-host with the most, Big O. Um, Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace. produces culturally relevant content for black and urban audiences our coverage is raw transparent and objective praised by community leaders government officials and residents support converge media today via venmo cash app or paypal at converge media